On your darkest day, how do you respond? Crushed emotions and totally hopeless. What is your response? We're going to be looking at that today on Sons of Valor, responding to chaos. I'm in the studio today with Dr. Ken Hansen, Ryan Evan, and it's great to be back here with you guys today. And as we get started on this discussion, what is, we want to take a moment and just kind of quickly out a minute or two, let's talk about Sons of Valor. We, you know, that's the name of our, of our show, of our, of our podcast. What does it mean to be a son of valor? What's the aim? What's the heart? It speaks to identity and purpose as men. But why don't you guys make a quick deposit there? I think that's healthy to, especially for the episode we're going into. Yeah, I think the episode uh, that we're going into as we continue to examine the life of David really demonstrates for us what a son of valor is, the characteristics, the qualities. And of course, the word valor um, the definition of that word is simply uh, to be courageous in the face of difficulty, especially as it relates to battle. So sons of valor are those who are courageous in the battle. And there's a lot of battles that men are facing today. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'll just add that, you know, with, when it comes to valor, I think, you know, one of the things that we point out to, we kind of... Uh, are pulling pulling guys' attentions to is that inner world as well. You know what I mean? That if your inner world um, isn't isn't taken care of, if it isn't dealt with properly, um, if we're not focused on on things that are going on in our heart, that that we're really not going to have the ability to act outwardly with courage. Right? We're not going to be we're not going to have the ability to be bold as a lion when we have things hidden within our heart. And, and you know, and that's why we've come up with things like the five star charge. Right? It's 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 a process that we are um, learning ourselves. You know, we're learning how to walk this thing out ourselves and we're inviting guys um, and men to come into this journey with us and pursue it of saying, man, how do I, how do I grow in my identity as a son, um, a son of God? Um, how, do I, how do I position, how do I live from that position? Um, you know, so that, that the things that God is assigning to me in life, um, I can, I can go about it in a courageous way. I can, I can be bold. I can have faith, um, because I, I know whose I am and I know who I am in Christ. Yeah. And it's important because we know that this, this life, this lifestyle that's being charged, it's really a life of virtue and character that leads to valor. Valor is what's on the outside world. And we're going after your inner world. You know, how, how does the, uh, how do we have honor and affection and liberty and war? How do we take care of ourselves on the inside so that we can put valor on display? And, you know, hey, guys, quite frankly, it, it feels like this isn't really a popular idea or topic in this culture, right? Especially with men. Like, men are under attack in a lot of different ways. And a lot of it's men's fault, right? Men have just been taking it for so many years in different ways. But it's kind of like, to me, you know, you get on social media, you get on what's popular, you know, and it's not like, we're not like dropping funny jokes and, you know, yoga pants and kitty cats. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the stuff that this culture kind of gravitates to the, uh, the ridiculous things that really don't matter in our lives. It's because like this massive distraction. So here we are in this maddening voice of just this world of just noise. This massive world of noise Numb and distraction. Pain. Yeah. And here we are going, hey, uh, hey guys, we want to call you over here this thing called valor. We want to call you over here to be sons of the living God and, and, and learn how to live in a way that responds. I mean, I haven't mastered that yet. I haven't mastered the five-star charge. 
I haven't done any of that. So we're just championing what a lifestyle looks like. It's not like a checklist. You don't check it off. You know, you don't ever arrive to honor. You know, we're constantly. It's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey. We got to do it together. We need each other because there's times I struggle. There's times I fall short. And I need conversations. I need help. I need to be built back up. And I think one of the greatest battles in our culture, and, and Ryan Evan alluded to it a moment ago, is this whole idea of uh, in order to get outward results in our life, we have to take care of the inward man. And that's where most men don't want to look. Uh, we don't want to deal with uh, the inside of us. And, of course, why would men? Because everything in our culture you know, points us away from that. Our character, our culture is not character driven. Our culture is not interested in character. Uh, I hate to say that, but that's just the way it is. And so our our, our culture is interested in all the external things, all the possessions, external image, and you look at the moral character, the moral decline of our country. Can we even return from this kind of decline? Yeah. I mean, that's a question that yeah. hangs in the balance, right? Can, I mean, with we God, have, we can. Yeah, but we have to yeah. we have to be willing to deal with what's on the inside of us. So morality cannot be legislated from the outside. Morality has to emerge from the character we possess on the inside. Right. And so a lot of times in our battles, we go at it the wrong way. We want to legislate morality, but what we really need to do is right. speak yeah. to people's hearts. <laughs> we need true, to say, right? you know, we need to get a a culture of character back. We need to embrace that. We need to value character. And so what's interesting um, in our topic for today and our story for today, it comes out of 1 Samuel chapter 30, is David's character is tested in this story. And uh, so as I set up the background of this story, David and his men, his mighty men, have been out to war. They've been out to battle. Uh, They've been doing exactly what God asked them to do. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And then they come back home to the town of Ziklag. And when they arrive back home, they discover that the city of Ziklag has been completely burned to the ground by the Amalekites. And their wives, their children, and their possessions have all been carried away. There is nothing left. It is an absolute scene of chaos. And so... Can you just imagine if you came home and your house was burned and your wife and your children and all of your possessions had been carted away, what would your response be in that moment? That's where, that's where this story is. I mean, this is the most heartbreaking, painful, gut-wrenching episode probably in David's entire life. This is the moment where it all hits the fan. This is the moment where David has lost everything. His men have lost everything. And into that moment, we have this verse in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, that says this, Now greatly, David was greatly distressed. Let me tell you, he was more than distressed. He was distraught. He was heartbroken. And he's distressed not only because he's lost his wife, children, He's not only distressed because Ziklag has been burned to the ground, but get this, on top of that, it says, for the people, his very own men in that moment, were speaking of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. 
I mean, David is not only going through loss and grief, now he's got betrayal from his own men that he's dealing with. I mean, this is like the worst case scenario. But then the final line says this, in the midst of everything that's happening, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Yeah, you think of... That's what a son of valor, I mean, that's... Yeah, and you think of Ziglag. That's the name of the town. I mean, you're sitting there thinking like Ziglag. Yeah, I mean, we we want to think about coming home to your house being burned. What about coming home to your whole town? Right. Yeah. And all the noise of your family, the noise of your loved ones, the smell of dinners not not you know kissing you in the face when you walk in t- to your family. I mean, that's what these guys were missing, right? They're the very heart and soul of who they were was being stripped from them. They didn't they didn't come home that day to any type of love or right. embrace. It was just just the worst nightmare for every father, yeah. even when their kids go out to play nowadays. We think that way, right? Like, yeah. we'll be careful and stay in the backyard and don't do this. And, like, <laughs> I mean, it's insane. And then they come home to the worst-case scenario. Their kids have been stolen. Their wives have been stolen. Yeah. Their town have been burned. I mean, you're talking, the Scripture reads that they actually wept so strongly in their weeping that they could weep no more. Yeah, it's the loss of all of their hopes and dreams. It, it represents Gosh. the loss of their future, their the, children so, of their future. Like, Everything's gone. What we're asking you today, when you have a zigzag moment, like when you have this moment of like utter chaos, zero understanding, your bearings are gone. I mean, you have no, there's no like framework for this type of responding. It I came mean, there, out of left field too. It's 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 yeah, they like, didn't expect. We're it. shocked. You're you're smelling the ho- the smell of your house burning. You know your your wife's favorite. You know the favorite thing you saw your wife wear. You know you see it charred on the floor, right? Like you got these memories. She's gone. The kids are gone. I mean your joy's gone. What the freaking heck, right? Like right. what what in the world is going on with the in this moment? So we're putting this in modern day. You know, putting it in our worlds. What is your zigzag? You know, was it a divorce? Was it a death? Was it a sickness? Was it something c- crazy? What are those moments of chaos in your life that have happened to you? So we want to talk now just about, how, you know, David did live in a way where he was prepared for this, ironically. Yeah. I mean, he did have a, a, a way. So these are the same men that... So there was these uh, this interesting political pain in the day. So Saul had, was a king that had gone mad. And David actually met these men at the cave of Adullam. And they were embittered and distressed there, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. They didn't like the way. So they, tra- they were willing to trade their everyday living for cave life to avoid Saul and to avoid Saul's politics and the way he ruled the kingdom. So now these men went on to, to be raised up by David. And so... All these years later, you know, now David is uh, is king and David's got these mighty men. And now these same men, all these years later, are like so embittered. Yeah. They want to kill the dude. So here's, here's <laughs> the interesting I mean? thing. Why do they want to kill him? Think about their backgrounds. These are men that trusted David, but they not only trusted David, but they trusted David's God. And now they come home. And this is what a Ziklag moment does. They come home and they're mad at David, but they're also mad at David's God because it's like, how could you treat us like this? We have done everything we're supposed to do. 
We're living holy right. lives. We're, God, we're following you. And I think the the one of the underlying s- stories here or it, is that Ziklag moments bring us as men to a decision. Are we going to continue to serve God? Or are we going to turn our backs on him? Because we can be doing all of the right things as men, but it doesn't guarantee that everything is always going to go right. I think this is an erroneous theology that many Christians have bought into that if I do everything right, if I read my Bible, if I pray, if I go to church, if I'm a good person, if I keep the commandments, that everything is going to go right all the time in my life, that I'm never going to have tragedy. I'm never going to have to, God is going to protect me from all this. But that didn't happen here, even though they were doing the right things. And so we're faced with a moment of what are you going to do, men, when you've been serving God with your whole heart and then you have a ziklag moment that comes out of the blue, a tragedy, a disappointment. The enemy in that moment wants to create an offense in your heart against God. Yeah, he, he wants you to be disappointed with God. God, this isn't what I signed up for. God, this isn't the way you're supposed to treat your people. We get offended at God, and when we allow offense to come into our life, that leads to disappointment, which leads to disillusionment, and the next step is we walk away from God and say, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this Christ thing anymore. I'm not following God anymore anymore if this is how he treats his people, and that is what David could have done in this moment, but because he was a son of valor, he chose a different path. Yeah, he, he chose to trust wiring. God. Yeah, he chose to trust God even when he didn't understand what was going on. David and his men didn't deserve this, but they had to deal with it. There's a lot of things that we experience in life as men. There are going to be situations that come that we don't deserve necessarily, but we have to deal with it and we have to go through and we have to hold on to God's hand even when we don't understand. Yeah, and I think, you know, I run into people all the time and it's kind of like... I run into a certain type of thinker out there who they claim to be Christians, and and I I, w- I won't say that they are or aren't, but their mindset's more like, how do I do the right thing so I don't get in trouble? It's more of like a, you know, I want to do the right thing so that this goes well for me, or you know, I want to. And David didn't really kind of think like that. David was like, I want to do the right thing because I love my Father in heaven, and I actually want His desires to be my desires. So I'm not just doing the right thing for an outcome. I'm doing the right thing because of who my father is. I'm actually tapping into his character and his nature. And I think that's an excellent point, Dr. Ken, that what the heck do you do when you, when you could get offended at God? Like hope deferred makes a heart sick. How many people are, you know, I've got a promise for this in my life. You know what I mean? Or, you know, where does zigzag fit in the promises? You know, when chaos strikes, how do we respond makes a huge difference to actually the outcomes of how we stay in tune with the promise or throw the promise in a trash can. I mean, I've met a lot of people that have just basically, oh, I tried that Christian thing for five years or 10 years. And then and it, or I've even led people to Christ. Then I know now they're not walking with Christ. Like what happened to you? You know, what, what, what went wrong? And, and a lot of times they'll have some zigzag type story right. or they'll have, the, you know, it didn't work for me. You know, it didn't work. It's it like, can be do traced. you think it's working for me? Yeah, I'm it, just unrelenting in my devotion, you know? Yeah, it's like It can be traced to the moment. And here's the thing. 
when God doesn't do for us what we think he should have done. Let's emphasize that though. Thought like what we think, right? Yeah. Um, because I think that that's more important part of the conversation is, you know, and for me, my, my own life, my own journey, my own walk with God has been, I've realized that my greatest disappointments in my life has been a result of my own predetermination, predetermination, of the results that I thought or the outcome I thought I should have received um, or the way that I thought this thing should have looked, right? And, and, it, and it goes back into that. I, the, the issue isn't the promise that God gave. It's the imagination within our own mind of how we think that that promise is going to play out for us. Exactly. You know, and, and that's where uh, the root of bitterness and the root of offense begins to grow deep within our hearts is that when we're not seeing the picture we painted, you know, and we don't leave him, you know, and exalt God as the author of this whole thing. He's the author of our story. He's the finisher of our faith. Um, and we don't give him the creative right, but we try to take the creative right, you know, um, and say, this is the outcome that I'm hoping for. This is what I want this to look like. When he never gave you that in the first place, he didn't set that expectation with us in the first place. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's the greatest mistake in all this is that we begin to um, inject our own expectations surrounding the promise that he might have gave or surrounding the assignment that he might have given and said, this is what it's going to look like. But he never told you that. He just laid out, this is the assignment. This is the promise. Be faithful with it. The outcome is up to him. You know, my faithfulness is up to me. You know, uh, my, my, my ability to act on what God is speaking um, to me to, to walk in uh, is up to me. Um, but the outcome has to stay in his court. The results have to stay in his court. You know, and I think that that's 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 a big thing that we you know uh, we as believers. So, and so are you, are you to, saying that God doesn't have to give all of us the American dream? No, and I, <laughs> no, He doesn't. You know, and I think I think like here, and here's we've diluted another, the gospel. Yeah, another that, frustration that of mine, right, is when we take principles of the Bible and we try to turn them into promises through our little uh, you know little social media pictures and gifs and all these different things. You know what I mean? And and we're really doing ourselves a disservice uh, because we're setting an expectation that actually isn't there these are you know like right. like the book of proverbs right everybody wants to quote quote proverbs as though it's a book of promises it's a book of principles yeah it's of saying hey to live. most of the time like if you're doing these things you know like you're gonna see these results right. you know what i mean like it's it's but but it's not a given it's not a promise it's not it doesn't mean that you know you know like we were saying earlier we, we live in a fallen world um things are going to happen these zigzag moments are going to occur. And at the end of the day, what will your response be? Yeah, and I think that there's a problem in our culture and, and even on Sons of Valor, I want to speak the Grace Ops messages to actually help bring correction to this. But we've watered down the standard of the gospel, you know, and that's part of the problem. So if you have a watered down version, a weak version, uh, a weak understanding of grace. So yes, grace saves us, but grace, most people don't realize what our messaging is, is grace also trains us. And so we have to be careful in this culture not to make God into our own image. Yeah. You know, we're made in the image of God, not the reverse. Exactly. We do that all the time. And there's a wonderful New Testament example of this in the life of Jesus and his disciples. It's Judas. So when Jesus calls Judas, he's as excited as any other of the 11 disciples to follow Jesus, to serve Jesus, to be with Jesus, because this is the Messiah. So how do things go so wrong for Judas in the end? How does he end up betraying Jesus? Well, it's easy. 
Somewhere along the way, Judas realized that Jesus wasn't meeting or going to meet the expectations, like you said, Ryan Evan, that he had in his head of the Messiah. And so the Jews thought when Messiah comes, he's going to overturn the Roman Empire and he's going to establish his kingdom. That's the expectation that Judas had. And when Jesus got closer to the cross and Judas realized, this guy is not going to do that. He's not going to do what I wanted him to do. An offense begins to grow in Judas's heart that leads to disillusionment. And the next step was, well, I might as well get 30 pieces of silver for betraying him because he's not the guy that I thought he was. He's not the Messiah I thought he was. And boom, Judas's relationship with Jesus is over. He walks away from him. Yeah. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do to men. Yeah. Just right. substitute whatever your expectation was that you don't feel God yeah, fulfilled. Yeah, like that whole thing of like God's not serving me. Yeah, and I was going to say this that. This isn't I was gonna working say, for me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because it's become a self-centered gospel, right? Because it's rather all about than a kingdom, you, right? Right, rather than a kingdom-centered gospel, you know. And we've, um, you know, we've seen. Uh, oh man, I just lost my train of thought. Um, well, we don't want to be self-focused in our pursuits of God. We don't want to. We're not turning the Bible into our own storyline. I like right. what you said earlier. God's the author, so if God's the author of my life, I have to yield and trust Him. So it brings us to an interesting point. So this is what David is facing. He has this decision. But then we come to the last line. But David chooses, instead of saying, God, this is not what I signed up for. God, even my men are against me now. You've done me wrong, God. I'm out of here. It says that David actually goes in the opposite direction. He presses into the Lord, and he encourages himself in the Lord. Yeah, David strengthened yeah. I mean, think about that, right? Ziglag moment happens, and the David, the the son of valor, has is responding to Ziglag in this. So, how in the world do we do this? Right, in our sons world? of valor encourage strengthen themselves in the Lord in those moments. But what does that look like? How do you strengthen yourself? Yeah, how do you God? do that in the face of wow, right? chaos? Right, and there were some specific things that David did. Uh, first of all, we notice as you read the rest of the story that he turns to God. He doesn't turn away from God in his moment of greatest disappointment. He actually turns to God. He leans into God and he inquires of the Lord and says, God, what do you want me to do? Another thing God, David does is he starts to make declarations of who he knows God to be. In other words, he focuses on God's character and God's nature. He says, I don't understand what's happening here, but I do know God's character and a nature. And, and, and I believe that God is going to come through for me. Yeah, right? based Instead on... of accusing God of being a bad father, he starts to declare that God, you know, all the things he knows about God. Right, I mean, and based on the, the scriptures... I mean, David had would have had memorized the Torah. I mean, right. he obviously was a, a Jewish man. So based on the nature of God's history, based on what he's always seen God do, knowing God's into drawing us close to him and fighting our battles for us. So David is, in this zigzag moment, he's actually, he actually has the, 
the disciplines and the the framework to actually engage God, not from hopelessness. Because when we get hopeless, how many times do we refuse to be encouraged? Right. Right? Like how many times do we throw that little self-pity party? Yep. I mean, I've done it. Leave me alone. People do it, right? Oh, you know, you get hopeless and you get discouraged and you just want to stay on that storyline like a stubborn mule and your friend grabs the reins and is like, no, come back over here to the land of hope. Come back over here to this land of promise. Look at the sunrise and the sunset again. No, no, it's all going to be bad, right? Like you yeah. get in this like little stubborn, childish kind of like triggered self where you're, you're just kind of, but David doesn't do that. Ziglag can trigger you, right? I mean, yeah. Ziglag can trigger you to, 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 uh, to fight or flight, right? Like well, you, it, can, it can trigger you, but it also exposes you. And that's what, that's what I like about the zigzag moment is it exposes your heart. It's going to expose your character like and it's going to expose your thought process, yeah, right? Expose it, David's heart and expose the hearts of his men. Exactly. You know, and, and really at the end of the day, it's going to expose whether you are more concerned with your, with your own personal self advancement or you're, you're, you're more concerned with kingdom advancement. And what he's doing, right? You know, because because those 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 trains of thought split into two different things, right? We've got the self advancement that blames God and says, "Man, you know, like you're not doing what I thought you were supposed to do." And then you've got the kingdom advancement that says, "God, what are you doing, and how do I partner with it?" You know, um, and and I think that that's a that's an important lesson with the zigzag zigzag zig mo moments of our life is. Um, to be aware, like be self-conscious, be aware of what's happening because it will expose the things that are really within our hearts. And then we know where we got to get to work at. You know? I think of that verse in Jeremiah where Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? A lot of times we think we know what's in our heart until something happens to us right. that we didn't expect. And then this junk comes flying out. <laughs> like, where was that from? Yeah. And we're like, right. yeah, where'd that come from? <laughs> And that's why we need to really understand that we don't know our hearts. Right. God knows our hearts, but we don't know our hearts. We don't know other people's hearts. So we need to be conscious and be aware of how we're responding to things. And, and, and one of the annoying things for me, I wasn't raised in church, so being around the church for two decades now and very committed to the church, I get annoyed when zigzag moments happen and then you've got like this this religious idea or this religious spirit of like, we'll just do a B and C and it'll right. be fine, brother. Like, come on, you're going to be okay. It's like, they don't like, we're not calling people down some religious path where they're performing to, to respond in the particular way. Like David is like raw. And I don't think David fits in the context of what I was just defining as religion. You know, David's got this raw, Coming into Ziglag, David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who loved God. So how do we encourage? How do how do I, Brian Phillips, how do I strengthen myself? In a, in literally, I mean, we're talking about Ziglag moments, not like my daily devotions, right? Like we're talking, but I pull from those disciplines. I pull from those, that framework of a lifestyle, virtue, and character. And then I trust in the sovereignty of God. I, I actually aim higher. So I believe David... He, he lived in this world, but he lived from the world to come. Right. And I think sons of valor need to actually get our gaze fixed on the world to come. There's a throne even now that's existing. There's a world that's coming. Heaven's not the final destination. Heaven's actually a pit stop in the scriptures. God's coming back to the earth that he created, a renewed earth, a renewed heaven, and he's going to rule and reign here. Yeah. God's, the Bible's about God coming here. 
it's not really about us going there. I think this what you're sons of valor live from that place. They live in they're in this world, but they're pulling the world to come here. We speak we we live from the place of eternity, but most people are not living from the place of eternity. We live with a temporal perspective rather than an eternal perspective, and so we've got to uh, get our mind to understand that we're in this for the long haul. We're going for the long game. We're going for eternity not what we can amass here. So Paul talks about these light uh, momentary afflictions and how sometimes we get all caught up in what's happening right now. We forget, hey, we're in this thing for eternity. Right. For the long game, right? The world to come. And so it's very interesting that in the scripture, God encourages us to to remember that we're remember about more than anything else he does because Mm. we're so fickle that... That we (laughs) get in a moment of chaos, we get in a Ziklag moment, and we forget everything that God has ever done for us. So one of the things David does in order to trust God in that moment is David not only remembers God's character and nature, but he remembers all of the past victories and all of the things that God previously brought him through to encourage himself in that moment because we have short memories. And so God is always telling Jewish people, Remember, remember, remember. That's what all the feasts were about. Right, remember. You know, remember what I've done for you because their (laughs) memories were so short, right? And uh, I think that's a huge part uh, of that moment. This whole story really comes down to this. In your Ziklag moment, will you, like David, trust God when you don't understand what's happening in the moment and you don't understand what God's doing and where he's taking all of this. Right. And I and I think sons of valor isn't like some nice language we came up with to attract you into something new. Sons of valor isn't a new idea. What we're saying in sons is that this is our identity from our father. And David, as a son of God, is able to put valor on display because he knows the nature of his bloodline. He knows the nature of the blood that's in him and the, 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 that anointing and that touch from God that was upon him. And so in the yeah. zigzag moment, he's going way past this world right. and he's putting his trust and hope into this, this otherworldly thing. And, and obviously he has the priest and he can ask the priest and they have this system like of able to get a yes or no answer. I right. mean, I would, don't you wish we still had that yeah, system? <laughs> I think what's cool is we talked about at the top of the podcast that the word valor means courage in the face of difficulty. It takes great courage to trust God when you don't understand. And that's what David had. Great courage great to courage. trust God. So strengthening yourself in the Lord, what are some quick takeaways well, I, I would say one thing, um, that that was David's only option, was to be strengthened by the Lord, because when we when we look at the passes, that's all he had. God was the only one in his corner at that point. His friends were turning on him. Right. The people were turning on him. You know, his soldiers were turning on him because of what just happened in Ziglag, you know, and you know, so so God was his only source of strength in that moment. He didn't have somebody patting him on the back at that moment. You know, um, I think that that strengthening really refers to uh, David's ability to wait upon God. Right. He didn't he didn't become presumptuous. He didn't he didn't say, OK, 
you know, out of my anger, right? You know, which we all would have been experiencing, right? If somebody comes, takes my daughter, oh, yeah. you know, like, the whole world's burning. We like, play those scenarios. Out <laughs> our yeah, mind. We, we play them we out play in our heads our quite <laughs> often, you know. But I mean, I, everybody's going to die at that point if somebody came and took my daughter. Um, you know, and out of my anger, I can make a quick and rash decision rather than saying, "Lord, let me let me retreat to the Lord. Let me let me wait upon God." You know, you know, I, I believe that that He was right there with His men weeping. You know, and and that's counterculture, right? That's counterculture for men. What meant, you know, that that we're supposed to, um, you know, kind of hold up this appearance of never getting off our white horse and never being able to to have a weak moment. But yet, in you know, you know, in in, in the kingdom culture, it, you know, we know that God draws near to those that are broken in heart. You know, like that's when He comes in. He, that when we're weak, and I think that David allowed himself to be weak in the waiting you know, allowed himself to be broken, that God would draw near to him in this moment of confusion and chaos um, and unrest that was happening in this zigzag moment um, so that he could inquire of the Lord, right? And actually gain a heavenly wisdom or a heavenly strategy of saying, what next? What do I do when everything's falling apart? I don't have the answers, you know, and we have to re- learn how to retreat into him and allow his presence to minister to us in those moments, you know, and to wait upon God and to inquire of the Lord, um, you know, on our next move, our, on our next step. I think it's interesting the way the story ends. On the other side of David's pain and his brokenness, the chapter ends with victory. Yeah. God says, pursue your enemy. And then God gives David and his men a great battle and they recover everything that was lost. So I just want to say to men today, you may be in a zigzag moment right now. If you will just trust God, God will give you, there is victory on the other side of your zigzag moment. God will restore to you what you believe has been taken away, but it's going to require you to be a son of valor, to have courage, courage enough to trust God. Even though I get it, I've been there. You don't understand what God is doing. You're saying, God, Why? But God always has a plan, and his plan for you is victory. And I think there's always a purpose in that pain. There's always a purpose in it. Yeah, so we talked about, and this is very key. I've experienced this in my life, as I know you guys have. Waiting upon God. How long does it take to wait? How fast is that process? We don't know. But it's waiting And it's really not about God as much as it is about us. So it's about waiting upon God, remembering who he is, remembering not just his promises, but his track record. And then I think it's key to to be willing to be the only one standing for God. What if out of all your friends, they're all mad, want to kill you, whatever, What if you're still, even in that crazy, chaotic moment, you're still the only one willing to take a stand for your father in heaven? (laughs) I mean, that's beautiful. That's a son of valor right there, right? Like to to be in this type of zigzag moment and to have this heart, that's what it means to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Wait, remember, and be bold to be the only one standing. Yeah, sons of valor don't turn their backs on God because things don't go their way. They trust God through it. Yeah, so our heart to you today, men, is that you would respond to chaos with valor today. It's been great being here in the studio. We've got an amazing team. I want to take care of some quick admin. I'm sitting here looking at Ryan Evan. He's got this 
really brand new, awesome looking hoodie on this black on black. There's something about black on black, dude. I just love it. Right. We have black trucks with black, everything else on it. It's like, oh, we got a name like Grace Ops. We got to right. do a little black ops. With so it. we've got Grace Ops uh, hoodies. We'd love for you to check those out. We're looking for uh, early adopters uh, to come into our organization, to come into this and help us take it out on a grassroots level. So go to graceops.net, sign up uh, on our emails, take the five-star charge, get, get acquainted with our culture, share the podcast. We really believe that God has a great assignment in this. So we're just being faithful. So thanks for being part of Grace Ops. Until next time, peace out.